faithwire.com. Well, hello and welcome to 4 and 3, a podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them all from a Christian perspective. Today's Friday, April 23rd, 2021. I'm Dan Andros and coming up on the podcast today, will Washington, D.C. become the 51st state? And the premier of Ontario apologizes for draconian lockdown measures put in place last week. Well, media outlets are instructing their reporters not to call the border crisis a crisis. And a homeless man in Texas has found a job due to the incredible generosity of some strangers. So we'll have those stories and more for you today coming up on the podcast with Trey Gons Phillips from FaithWire.com. Trey, how's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? Happy Friday. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, it is Friday and I'm doing great. And uh, I forgot my mask going into the Dunkin' Donuts uh, early this morning. And uh, there was no one in there, Trey. And I was like, you know what? I'm just, there's no one here. It's just the one guy at the and another worker. And the worker didn't have his mask on. He had it down below his chin. So I was like, all right, I'll just, whatever, just get the donuts yeah. and go. And there was also a big giant plexiglass shield, like a huge right. one but at the counter. So I go up there, he puts his mask up, and then when he puts his mask up, he says, hey, you got to get a mask on. <laughs> and I just kind of looked around, I looked over my left shoulder, and I looked over my right shoulder, and there was no one. And uh, I just I just said, uh, how about I just put my shirt over my mouth, because it's the same thing. <laughs> and uh, he just kind of mumbled something, and I ordered. Um, so, yeah, that's I'm a rebel. I'm a rebel these days, forgetting my well, mask. Well, I mean... That's what we do these days with each other now. Anyway, just mumble because we're throwing masks. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Are, thank you. Are we not being safe enough, Trey, by doing the podcast with our, our masks off? Should we just here put our let's mask up? All right. We should mask up. All right. <laughs> number one. Here we go. I mean, a lot of reporters do that on the on TV. I don't understand it. They're outside. No one's near them, that. and they wear masks. It's like, what are you? Why? I don't. I don't understand. But. Huh. Anyway, Silliness it's abounds. Friday. It's Friday. So that's uh, that's a Friday. positive. That is a positive. So let's start uh, right in here with story number one. And the Democrat-controlled House of Representatives voted yesterday morning to turn Washington, D.C. into a new state. That's right. H.R. 51 passed in the House by a shockingly party-line vote. 216 to 208. Now it all hinges on the fate of the Senate filibuster. Turning Washington, D.C. into the nation's 54th state has been a big priority for Democrats, and it would mean, obviously, two new Democratic senators in the Senate. And uh, that's why critics warn that it'll create the Democrat capital of the United States. <laughs> um, Nancy Pelosi said that, that this bill is in her DNA, uh, talking about what the left is saying on this. She said it's because her father was a member of the Congress from uh, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, and he served as the chairman uh, for the District of Columbia Appropriations Subcommittee. And she says that made him the unofficial mayor of Washington because of the authority, blah, 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 that he had. And so she said, but my father didn't agree with that. He was a proponent for home, what was then called home rule. So I often say statehood for the District of Columbia is in my DNA. Uh, so that's what Nancy Pelosi is saying there. Joe Manchin said that he was asked about it. And he said, quote, I have so many things on my plate. I haven't got I haven't even gotten to that yet kind of an indication of how fast and furious Democrats are trying to just throw everything at the wall uh, in these first two years here while they have a majority. What's the right saying? Well, Rep. Uh, James Comer of Kentucky 
uh, said, let's be very clear what H.R. 51 is all about. It's just about creating two new Democratic U.S. Senate seats. Uh, you just said that on uh, bluntly. And why does it matter? Well, Trey, it matters because obviously you've got Democrats, you know, trying to fundamentally transform the United States in a couple yeah. of different power grabs. You ha already had the move, you know, towards packing the Supreme Court. And now we're looking at trying to add an extra state and extra seats. And it's all very political. And I, I get the sense that if Republicans were doing this, you'd hear a lot more complaining about it. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. And I, it's just... I don't know. I don't think we need to make D.C. a state. It was no. never intended to be a state. No. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be the seat of government. It's supposed to, I mean, really, people aren't even supposed to be living in uh, in D.C. It's just supposed to be the, you know, where government gets its work done. Uh, so it, they've already kind of grown to an outsized level of control. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the the city's right, right around uh uh, DC, like Arlington and uh, Fairfax, and, you know, all that for in, in Virginia. What's unfortunate is they kind of decide every single election that we have here uh, in the in the Commonwealth. Yeah. So even if the rest of the state is red, uh, <laughs> they will pick our governor. Yeah. Uh, and the governor will usually, uh, of course, uh, be a Democrat. Yep. Uh, so it's just uh, you know they already have so much control over the surrounding states uh, just because of how many people are there. Uh, and I just I, I don't see making them a state as as a good idea. And it's not anything other than than what that representative said, I think. It's yeah, just a, it's just all about the, uh, the seats. A way to I... get, yeah, to get more seats in Congress. Yep. All right. And we'll keep an eye on that one for sure on Faithwire and CBN. Yeah. So, all right. Story number two, uh, the premier of Ontario, which is kind of like, I, you know, the governor of a state, uh, Doug Ford, uh, he got emotional Thursday evening when he apologized to citizens for the province, uh, citizens of the province for implementing draconian lockdown measures uh, last week that really gave police the authority to stop Ontarians at random. Uh, one of the victims, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's just the the more these restrictions continue, the, the more I'm realizing, wow, like Canada is quite a bit different than the United <laughs> yes. States. Uh, so uh, one of the victims of these uh, strict measures was Life Church, which is a congregation in Ontario uh, that was met Sunday uh, with police knocking at their door, telling them that they had to stop their worship service and shut down immediately. Mm. Uh, so emboldened by the measure, the police began implementing the lockdown even before it went into effect. Uh, from what I can understand, it, it wasn't even set to be implemented until midnight on Monday, uh, but they tried to enforce it Sunday morning. Uh, on Life Church, like I said, Ford though admitted yesterday that he got it wrong, uh, and 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 rolled back the lockdown. He said last Friday in response to extremely troubling modeling uh, that told us we could see well over 15,000 cases a day. We moved fast to put measures in place to reduce mobility, but we moved too fast. And I know that some of those measures, especially around enforcement, they went too far. He said, I made a mistake. These decisions, they left a lot of people very concerned. In fact, they left a lot of people angry and upset. I know we got it wrong. I know we made a mistake. And for that, I'm sorry. And I sincerely apologize. He repeatedly said, uh, Dan, that he, he got it wrong mm. uh, and said that he should never have empowered the police to pull people over at random. Uh, Ford also said he never directed the police and how they should handle these uh, measures and said that's he. He doesn't ever direct police. That's all on them uh, as far as how they how they acted. So what's the left saying? Well, the politics in Canada and in Ontario is 
different than here here in the United States, obviously. Uh, but Ford has been met with quite a bit of backlash from politicians who align with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who would basically is a progressive. Uh, you know, some have called for Ford to resign, arguing he lifted the initial lockdown measures from February way too soon. Uh, they said he should have kept the strict measures in place from the beginning. Uh, rather than work to reopen the province's economy, because if, had he done that, they wouldn't have this spike in cases. So what's the right saying? Well, many have argued, as we've talked about before with Grace Church in a different province in Alberta, uh, that these strict measures infringe Canadians' charter rights to religious freedom. So that's kind of been mm. what would be the response from the right, a response from a lot of Christians, certainly. Uh, so why does it matter? What's well, really impressive to me, whenever a politician apologizes for policies <laughs> that they're responsible for being a being bad, uh, because that just seems to rarely happen. Like yeah. that is a rare breed when a politician yeah. will apologize for for going too far. Uh, but it's also a big deal for religious freedom for places like Life Church, like I mentioned, it's in Muskoka, Ontario. We've seen too often that these lockdown measures in Canada and even here in the U.S. seem to be in some ways honestly doing more harm than good i yeah. mean we're more than a year in like how are we and, how are we still having such strict lockdowns and so i don't know americans and canadians as well we shouldn't have to give up our freedoms indefinitely right yeah. i shouldn't suspend <clears throat> my right to religious liberty indefinitely in the name of safety yeah and, and and again like just you think about the damage it's doing to how people view one another i mean i told you my story at the beginning where everyone's oh, put your mask on living yeah. in fear and then uh, especially without common sense, you know, when there already is social distancing or there's you're not in a packed room. I mean, there's no science there to show that you're a threat at that point, right. you know. And, and, and uh, you know, I had a friend who went to the library with a mask on up to the librarian and the librarian said, uh, oh, I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable. You know, hold on a minute. And they like backed up and went like another six feet back and they said, OK. And then this friend saw the same librarian later. Uh, as a little child, a baby was crawling, an infant was crawling on the floor in like the play area at the library and leaned over to the child and said, oh, where's your mask? Like oh, obviously goodness. going kind of uh, passive aggressively saying it to the parent. Right. right. And, um, you know, you're just like, what are, what are we doing? What are we doing to each other? And how long does this go on? Like you said, you just do this indefinitely. Who's going to yeah. lead the way out of this to where we can get back to normal lives? Because human interactions matter. You know, we yeah. weren't designed to be hidden behind masks. Uh, it's so sad that there are people who are acting like that. Like I, I was standing in Target the other day, and I had a, uh, there was a woman who was talking to me, uh, and she every time she she asked me like two or three questions, uh, she liked the hoodie I was wearing, and we were talking about where I got it and all that. Uh, and every time she would ask me a question, she would like lean forward and then apologize and then like take steps back. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to say like, stop, it's you know, okay. I, yeah. don't feel bad. Like it's, she, she wasn't wearing a mask and I had mine on, you know, which was fine. Didn't bother me at all. But I was like, what are we doing to our culture yeah. that people have to apologize for interacting with another human? Yeah. Especially it's young just, and, and, and especially young people. You know, we say we're the the people of science these days. Yeah. Um, but you see that there was a mom who went viral for saying she was so frustrated that her six-year-old had to wear, you know, a mask at school and uh, that they were continuing to do that despite the incredibly low, almost non-existent risk. You've got 200 million people nearly vaccinated now in America. And who's going to lead us out of this? That's that's what I'm yeah. wondering. And, yeah, um, you know, sure. time will tell, but we can't go on like this forever. And you just wonder about what the damage mentally this has done to a lot of people. Um, yeah. You know, it's like we're creating a nation of what about Bobs? 
Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, that's not good. That's not how we were designed. So, yeah. Um, for sure. All right. Good movie, up? by the way. Yes. Great movie. Fantastic. Anything with Bill Murray is usually pretty good. So, <laughs> all right. Here we go. Story number three. Politico has become the latest news agency to order its staff not to use the word crisis when describing the ongoing <laughs> surge of illegal immigrants flooding into the country with children, by the way, often unaccompanied. Um, so, which would be a crisis under most other circumstances, especially the large numbers that are coming in. But an internal memo obtained Thursday by the Washington Examiner uh, was to the staff um, at um, Politico. And so it said... Uh, to avoid using the term since the present situation doesn't fit the quote dictionary definition of a crisis. Oh my uh, it is, however, they said a quote problem and a quote dire situation. Can't call it a crisis though. <laughs> uh, the Associated Press had previously broken ground last month when they instructed reporters to do something similar and avoid using the term crisis uh, in an effort to use quote accurate and neutral language ironic that they would call that neutral um yeah. when describing the situation but the ap uh, back in 2019 uh called it a crisis when donald trump was president they i guess it was a crisis then but not now they've had a change of art uh so what's the left saying well white house press secretary jen Psaki has been insistent on not calling it a crisis, the, despite being actually pressed by reporters on that, which was good to see uh, that the press wasn't completely folding over on that. But President Biden himself then called it a crisis. And then Saki had to come back later and, sh and was asked about it. Hey, the president called it a crisis. And she said, well, he doesn't believe that. And so what's what's the right saying? Well, Mitch McConnell took a little jab at Biden on that, pointing out that he was overruled by Saki on the issue. Um, he can't even say what he's you know, actually thinking. Uh, and so without being overruled by his handlers. So uh, McConnell had a little fun with that. So why does it matter? Well, it matters for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, the situation on the border is a crisis with all the kids getting there and being left. There was another viral video uh, just yesterday, I believe, at least this week, you know, showing a child who was left. A young girl was just left, um, you know, at the border on her own in the middle of nowhere uh, and border agents saved uh, saved her life. Um, but, you know, this is another one of those stories that, um, to me, this is the more interesting aspect that we've got to use a keen eye when we're reading and browsing the news all the time. I mean, yeah. watch the words they use. They weren't going to admit this, Trey, that someone, that, that, that they're doing this, that this is their strategy. Someone leaked the internal memo. Um, yeah. and so these are, these are political decisions. This is spin. This isn't yeah. like neutral reporting. And no. uh, when the media decides to carry the water for a particular president or a party, um, the American people deserve to know it. And now you know. Um, and I, I just think that, we, you know, that's one of the things that we've been harping on. We will continue to harp on is that you need to, you know, not try. Just watch Winter Soldier the other day. And, uh, you know, Fury, Nick Fury's like, don't trust anyone. And uh, I mean, I think that's how we have to handle the press is just do not yeah. trust any of them, even the ones on the right on the ones on the left, whoever you might agree with. Um, don't trust them. Just look past how they're writing it. Think about where they're coming from and their perspective and do the same thing with us, too. Um, yeah. You know, and and take it for what it is. Um, but, I, I, you know, I just want to train people to think that way because nobody's neutral. 
We should also remember that we're uh, we're not supposed to, according to AOC, call it a surge either, <laughs> because that's uh, we can't is call it, it a surge. Let me guess: is it racist or something? Or? Yes, yes, yes. That's uh, oh, propping okay. up uh, white supremacy. Ah, so we ah. shouldn't be caught because it's suggesting that the mi- minority people are insurgents and it's using militaristic language, and we shouldn't be doing that. So we can't call it a surge, can't call it a crisis, but we can call it a dire situation, yeah. though that is subject to change. Um, but so like the the Biden thing, it, it kind of makes me think of like when you're a little kid and you do something wrong to your friend and your parents tell you, you know, you're going to have to apologize to her for doing that. And you don't really want to do it, but you, so you go up to your friend and, and your, you. your mom is standing over your shoulder and you're, you're like reluctant. You don't right. want to say you're sorry. Say you're so your sorry. Mom, your mom's like, <clears throat> and then you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. That's it's like that's it's like Jen Psaki was standing over, standing over Jen Biden's yeah. shoulder, like Joe, Joe. Yeah, you know you're not supposed to call this a crisis. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that that's what that's what Kamala Harris is doing in the background there. She's always lurking in the <laughs> yeah. background, and then she's just leaning in, going, Joe, Joe, no, no, you gotta apologize for that. that that's why yeah. she's there, just to sort of. Um, right you know keep him in line <laughs> that's exactly what i was gonna say keep him in keep line, him in line. don't let old joe wander off <laughs> right exactly so all right story number four this one's nice because it's not political yeah, at all good uh which is it's good to end end the week and the podcast yes. on, on a high note agreed so uh just a few months ago a hungry homeless and tired kenneth smith uh, was sitting in a chair right outside an outback steakhouse in fort worth uh, and now he works for the restaurant. Uh, so Smith's transformation began when out of the blue, a good Samaritan leaving the restaurant saw him and asked if he was okay. Uh, he told her he was not okay. Uh, and in response, she actually gave him a $100 gift card uh, to Outback and told him to go and eat eat a warm meal and, and come back a few more times to, to get some food. And after sitting at the booth for a while, Smith ended up striking up a conversation with the restaurant's managing partner, uh, Laura Hodges. And he said, I said, hey, I don't ever want, uh, or the, the manager said, I don't ever want you to go hungry and go without food. Uh, and said, you know, to come anytime he wanted a warm meal, he gave, she gave her his business, her business card and said, come back anytime, you know, let them know what I told you. Uh, and you can you can get a meal on me. And over the next several months, over the next five months or so, Smith came back. You know, he took her up on the offer, and every once in a while he would come back and, and have dinner uh, or lunch, and he eventually asked her for a job. Uh, and the manager said, sure, gave him, gave him a job, and he's been cleaning and bussing tables at Outback uh, for about a month now. Uh, so with his newfound job, Smith really needed to find a place to live, uh, so Hodges took to a local Facebook group, the Fort Worth Foodies, uh, to ask if any of the members knew of a nearby motel with affordable nightly rates. Uh, and the group members, though, came through in spades. Instead of just offering recommendations, many of them actually pitched in to cover the cost of Smith reserving a room at an extended stay hotel for six weeks. And they've also gifted him more than $2,000. They've given him a bicycle. They've given him clothes. They've sent him kitchen items. And they've even bought him groceries. That's great. Uh, So, I mean, just a really, really, really cool story. Like I said, this one's not a left or right issue. But uh, the Outback manager said she just had absolutely no idea that complete strangers would be so kind uh, to him. And Hodges went so far as to say that the stranger who gave Smith the gift card more than six months ago now blessed her too by her example. Uh, so in Smith, the homeless man who's 
homelessness. Moore said, I think it is, it's so much of a good blessing uh, the way he's been treated. Uh, and it's wonderful just to have people these days that'll do things for you. Uh, he said, this is a whole new beginning that God has blessed me with. So I'm trying to get on this right good track that he wants me to stay on. And he told uh, the uh, local news outlet there that God is good. So just I mean, a really cool story yeah. of, of people helping other people in a time like he's, you and I said at the beginning, when it seems like we're not talking yeah. to each other. Yeah. So it's cool to see. It's cool to see so many people, like I said, complete strangers just doing what they can to help this man. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it reminds us of our shared humanity and, yeah. um, and the job we have. Everyone argues over all these political things and what policy will do this. And honestly, I mean, that's great. You can have policies that will help, but um, and we can debate which ones are better. But at the end of the day, the easiest way to help people is to do things like this. You know, when you yeah. have an opportunity, if God's blessed you with abundance, well, then share that abundance, you know. And, and, and I like how this guy accepted the blessing. Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of times our pride gets in our way and you're, you don't want to yeah. do that. So um, even somebody in a tough situation, I think a lot of times they'll say, you know what, I just I'm not going to be that one that's just, you know, yeah. taking advantage of this and just going to get free meals and be a freeloader. Like, I think we don't you know, we were designed to work. Um, you know, you look at the Ten Commandments, you know, labor for, you know, uh, six days, rest on the seventh day. Um, we're supposed you know, we're designed to work. We, we want to yeah. do that. We want to be productive. And yeah. um, that's just wired. That's how we're wired. And so anyway, so I think it's good to that he buried his pride and accepted it. And look what it led to. It led to a great blessing. And I bet you pretty soon he'll be doing well and be able to pay that forward to someone else. Yeah, for sure. It is really cool. And it's it's neat that he was honest. Like you said, it just set a good example. He didn't have to tell that stranger that he wasn't doing okay. Yeah. Uh, but he did. And it's led to where he is now. And he said now he's saving his paychecks. He's working toward buying a car uh, so that he can drive to and from work. And then he wants to uh, eventually own a home uh, and start his own restaurant is actually something yeah. that he's interested in doing now. Um, so And it's really cool, too, in a time right now when we're grappling with such so much racism and that seems to be like the issue that we're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, not that this matters, but it, in this context, it does. It's cool. This, this homeless man was, uh, happened to be black and the manager happened to be white. And we're seeing, you know, a lot of the, the people, the strangers who donated to him are of all kinds of different ethnicities. Uh, so it's just cool. You know, we don't, our skin color doesn't define us. You know, our yeah. political beliefs don't define us. Uh, it's just like you said, the humanity, the shared humanity yeah. of people helping people. Uh, and that's worth celebrating all the time. Yeah, it would be really great in this day where people are trying to divide us that by race and by other political ideas and things like that, that we can find examples that remind us of our shared humanity. And then yeah. that is what that is what binds us together. That is our common trait, uh, despite yeah. all of our differences. So, all right, that is all the time we have for today and this week. It is Friday, so I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Uh, we will see you back here uh, again on Monday. And uh, for more news from a Christian perspective, head on over to faithwire.com, cbnnews.com. You get plenty of stories there uh, without all of these secular spins. So God bless you. See you Monday. Have a great weekend.